The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is John Billingsley, Dr. Phil Flox from Star Trek Enterprise. Now, I'm reading something that was written for me, and I think they could have done better. So this is not me. This is them. My prescription for you is a healthy dose of the Track Geeks podcast starring Dan Davidson and Bill. He could have done better, Smith. It truly is the best medicine. Oh, come on, boys. And here's how they close it. Doctor's orders. Shame, tisk, tisk. For the record, that was Dan Davidson that wrote that. That was me. <laughs> wow. Well, that's uh, even better because now it's forever blamed on Bill. That's forever blamed on Bill. There Thank you, you, Mr. Bacula. There you go. Ooh, <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Office of Phase Shifting at Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, spacefaring travelers all across the galaxy, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Welcome to episode number 285. Uh, at least, wow, I didn't know I could count that high, but yet here we are. Uh, we got a great show on tap for you today. We're going to talk about a classic episode of the original Star Trek, and I can't wait. Joining me, of course, is my co-host i can assure you that if he were sort of in interspace like captain kirk is in in the tholian web i would leave him in a heartbeat and just go along my merry way as the new captain of the ship um yeah he is the largely phasing in and out dan davidson and dan uh welcome aboard muchacho unmute muchacho Oh, gee, I had a whole thing planned and everything, but you had me mute before we started. I had to go tell my work I was going to lunch, and I came back and forgot to mute. So the whole thing's just not even going to work worth doing it anymore. Hi. It's good to see you. Got a great episode today. What? Yeah, I can't wait, <laughs> especially especially when you bring your A-game like that. I know. I try. I'm sorry. It's great to be here, as always. I, I love uh, sitting in front of the microphone and the camera when I finally get him to work uh, to record an episode with you, my, my friend. And uh, this week, we're going to uh, be talking about one of my favorite TOS episodes ever. 
And you, is it really? It, it really is. I love it. I, it's one of the ones that I remember watching the most when I first started collecting the VHS tapes when they started coming out singular episodes way, way back. I think one of the first three or four that I got included this one, The Tholian Web, uh, season three, episode nine, I want to say. Nine. Yeah. Um, and it's just one that I just would watch over and over again. I really loved it. Yeah. So I'm happy we're talking about it. I had no it. idea. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty great. I mean, I, I remember watching it. I remember thinking there was a little bit of hokiness to it, but we'll get to that later. Because, I mean, you know, 60s special effects, right? I know. It's great, though. <laughs> There's only so so realistic you can make Bill Shatner standing around looking like he's floating. <laughs> Ooh. Um. And let's, let's be honest, Bill Shatner doesn't float. <laughs> <laughs> you don't either. So let's just. Uh, I sink like a stone. To be honest with you, I, really? Yeah. Uh huh. Oh man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow, did I say that out loud? All right. We all know it's true. Well, Dan, one of the things that we want to celebrate this week is uh, the return of weekly episodes of the Trek Geeks podcast. Uh, you and I, for the last six plus months. Yeah have had our sort of professional lives uh, in a bit of upheaval thanks to a, a massive uh, security event at work um, that saw us working all kinds of ungodly hours. Mm-hmm. And it caused us to put Discovering Trek Discovery on hold and to take Trek Geeks to every other week uh, when we could do it and when we weren't having COVID and when we weren't <laughs> dealing with other stuff. But uh, as of this week, we resume weekly episodes of the flagship and i am very excited about yeah this. i think it's really going to be great i mean we always look forward to sitting down and talking and finally we're at a point where we can be like oh i mean we've even had have it have happen a couple of times when we were doing bi-weekly where oh I, sorry i'm in the middle of something we can't we could record today and then it turns into we can't record this week um so i'm really glad that we're in a place now professionally and personally with health and stuff like that where we can get back to the weekly stuff which to be honest it's what the seven listeners want so i mean we're going to give it to them right Seven? We're up to seven? Yes, I got a new listener. I got a new one yesterday. His name's um, Don Davidson Jr. So, <laughs> family members. Wait, no, family doesn't count. Okay, then we got five. Besides, <laughs> so Don's not going to remember he, he listened. He doesn't listen. He, he, he right. I could call so, him a jerk. You don't thing. listen either. <laughs> I don't have to. I have to put up with you long enough just live. No, 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 no. Don't, you always try to turn it on me when it's your failing. Um, for seven years, seven, almost seven and a half years, you've... Actually, it is seven and a half years. Yeah. You haven't listened to your own podcast, so I don't want to hear I've listened it. to at least four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Out of 285. No, okay. Hey, the percentage is climbing, baby. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is. I might listen to this one just to hear myself sound like an idiot. Well, that could be any episode, uh, right? <laughs> you know, some days you just do my work for me. <laughs> it's great to be here. Well, Dan, we always want to take a moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. We are just a few weeks away now from reuniting with our friends out in Las Vegas, and we know they're working hard on getting some new releases to show at the 56-year mission convention. Yeah, that's right, man. As always, uh, we know that they're going to have big news for the Vegas show, and we're certain they're going to have some great new releases. But but why wait until then, man? I mean, we always love getting new pins, and, and there are some beautiful ones available right now over at fansets.com. The latest in the Women of Trek pin is a doozy. It is Tendy from Lower Decks, and she even has her cute little puppy aptly named The Dog along with her. It's beautiful and, of course, 
It has glitter. Also new from fansets this week is the Prodigy Delta in both pin and magnetic form, as well as Dal, Zero, and Murph, all, of course, from Star Trek Prodigy. I have been waiting for that Prodigy Delta for so long, and it is just so gorgeous. So everyone, you know what I'm going to say right now. Get on over to fansets.com, put all those new pins and some accessories in your cart, maybe even some gift cards and at checkout. Be sure to enter the discount code TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order just for being a listener. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive triple, is celebrating a big anniversary this year, and you get the savings. You know, to celebrate three years of triple adoption, Science Division is having their giant anniversary sale. Now, for a limited time, you can get $5 off a standard size triple, $10 off a giant limited edition triple, and for a limited time, their brand new line of accessories is available for purchase online. This includes extra soft heather blue t-shirts and eco-friendly black tote bags, each featuring the Science Division Gamma Rayburst logo in white. Science Division supports local businesses, and the t-shirts and tote bags are supplied by a print shop in their hometown. Plus, you can get free shipping in the United States with purchases of two or more items with the code SHIPFREE. That's S-H-I-P-F-R-E-E in all capital letters with no spaces. Awesome. But, you know, you got to hurry. You gotta Get on over to ScienceDIV.com right now because the Science Division Anniversary Sale runs now through 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, July 31st. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley, speaking... I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs. We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. So, Dan, as we start to consider this week's main topic, we want to remind everyone, if you're getting ready to go to Vegas... Head on over to shop.trekgeeks.com, load up with some new Trek t-shirts, help support the Trek Geeks podcast network, and, um, you know, because um, it's going to be warm in Vegas. Yeah. You want to wear some some t-shirts, yep. you want to wear some cool Star Trek designs, we get tons of them in our store there on Public. so uh, get on over to shop.trekgeeks.com. I like that idea. I think I would have to add to my literally 47 Star Trek t-shirts that I currently have. I counted them the other day. 47. That, is that, that's all? Is that not the best number in the world to have of t-shirts? It is, but I'm surprised it's that low. Well, I have gotten rid of a few over the course of the last few months because I've worn them out. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being worn out, let's talk about your favorite episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, oh, what a jerk I am. Um, but yeah, you know, the season three episode, uh, classic Star Trek, the Tholian Web. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, 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 I'm a pretty sure you're of the same opinion here, and I, I'm going to make this statement, and you can you can respond to it. I really think that season three of the original series is just unfairly maligned. Oh, 100%. I think there's there are several episodes of season three that are just fantastic. There are some that are not, but there are some ones that I absolutely love, and we're actually going to talk about one in a couple of weeks that always gets crapped on, and it's one of my favorite episodes just because it's so much fun. But we'll talk about that and give the name of that episode at a later time. I love season three. I think it's fantastic. I, you know, I look at, there are some really good science fiction in season three. And this episode is no exception, quite frankly. Um, it, it's taking on something that is, that really, I mean, it, it, you didn't really get in Star Trek until some time later, or some version of it. And even then, I mean, it's a it's a really smart bottle show, if you think about it. Yeah, it really is. And, and as we talked about earlier, I loved this this episode uh, when I was, you know, growing up and in my te- my teens and late teens and started collecting the VHS. I, I watched this episode over and over and over again. I thought the, the special effects for the time, it was really cool to see that web being constructed. And I always wondered, what's going to happen when they finish? What's the web going to do? And we never got to really see that kind of for a long long time um and i was disappointed when we saw what really actually happened but that's a topic for another time as well i loved it i love the idea of the tholians i love the idea of ghost kirk and people losing their minds like Chekhov. it's always good to see Chekhov in pain isn't it bill it is it absolutely <laughs> is um and can i just say that you know even as a kid in the 70s watching this I'm like, can't those Tholian ships move any faster? Because, I mean, they could totally get out of that. Their their Tholian web silk uh, vapor trails would break if they went too fast. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, couldn't the Enterprise at that point just have gone Z minus 10,000 meters and just gotten the hell out of there? They didn't use three dimensions back in TOS time. (laughs) (laughs) There weren't three dimensions in that point of the future is what you're telling (laughs) me. Exactly. No, that's a good point. I mean, there's so many, you know, with any show, um, there's always going to be this, oh, but if they just did that, if they just did this. Um, and you're absolutely right. The, it was it was two ships forming one line at one point. Yeah. Uh, reverse. <laughs> but anyway. Anything. <laughs> you know, uh, explosive decompression of the main shuttle bay. But. But, of course, then Kelsey Grammer comes out of a cloud and, and blows you to and hell. And they didn't want to disrupt the space because of the interface. So, I, I you know, there's an answer. There's an answer. No, I, there yeah. is. But, I mean, at some point you're like, man, they, those ships are just barely moving. <laughs> Really, just uh, can't they just like dodge it or something? Uh, but it, it does bring to mind um, a really interesting problem for the crew to solve. Not only do they have to escape this, you know, th- this alien—we'll call it a, a space prison, for want of a better phrase, fa- mm-hmm. want of a better word—but they have to figure out a way to rescue the interfacing Captain Kirk, whom the crew, until one point in the episode, believes is dead. Correct. Um, which is another great aspect. There's, there's several different layers to this episode that, that really work, and, and one of the reasons I love it so much. A, of course, you have the Tholians, which we'd never seen before, and they were nice at first. They said, okay, we'll give you your time, and then that you know Tholian, distinct Tholian punctuality hit comes into play, and the web starts building, so that's one. Two, Kirk is missing and presumed dead. That's two. Three, the crew starts losing their minds because of the interphasic space episode or or issue number three so there's a lot of things going on a lot of stuff to digest and a lot of problems for the crew to solve uh and as they usually do they're able to solve them all i love the opening teaser to this episode um because you know from the get-go that things are just not good 
Um, I- I'm sorry, but if I'm on the landing party to go to the growing green, glowing green ship, see, I can't even say it. <laughs> To go to the glowing green ship, uh, automatically I'm looking to see what color uniform I'm wearing. Because if it's a red shirt, I'm not sure I'm coming back from that bad yes, boy. Yes, and of course it is the first, the first Defiant that we get to see in Star Trek. Yes, uh, which is of course we love uh, what comes later on in Deep Space Nine. But uh, yeah, the Defiant with that glowing green—that's something else. And um, and uh, seeing when they beam into the bridge, the bodies laying there, and a couple of them at each other's throats, literally. It's a good way to start off an episode saying this is going to be really effed up. Yeah, I mean, they get to the bridge and there's the Defiance captain or or whoever's in command lying near his chair with another officer's hands on his neck and they're both dead. And I mean, you look at that and that's pretty jarring, especially for that era in television. But it's kind of how I imagine people are going to find us someday in Las Vegas. (laughs) Someday? 35 yeah. days and counting, brother. My hands around your neck. Oh, oh I was thinking a little differently, but that's okay. That'll work, too. Um, it, it just, it's, and plus, I mean, I love those EV suits. Let's be they honest. They are awesome. I have no idea what what goes through the different colored piping that's in those things, but it still looks pretty good. <laughs> I, I can only imagine that there's an explanation. <laughs> I'm not sure how good it is. They look kind of futuristic for 1968. Um, I think this is 68, November 68. Mm-hmm. Um, but they certainly don't look futuristic for 2022. Um, either way, they look really cool to photograph. Have we ever seen those somebody cosplay as that? That's a great... Uh, yes. I, I, yes. I vaguely remember, but they're very cool. And, and I've also always wondered why, if I remember correctly, half of the visual shield on their helmet is not see-through. So it's like you don't really have full vision. So you're like, I don't get it. I don't know. Of course, when you turn, of course, it's like when they turn in those suits, it's like they have a neck brace on. They don't turn their neck. They turn their whole body. So maybe that's what they're there. I don't know. So this is the episode that people point to when criticizing Star Trek Discovery. So in Act 1 of this episode, uh, Chekhov asks, you know, because of the result of the Dead Bridge crew, if there's any record of a mutiny on a Federation starship. And Spock says, absolutely no record of such an occurrence, Ensign. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when we know that that's not necessarily the case nowadays. But clearly... Um, these people all went crazy. They all went crazy, but I th- perhaps it's not a record of a mutiny based on the fact based on the fact that they were being affected. So whatever tribunal or whatever in the future, or maybe I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of going backwards here. I'm thinking of the mutiny um, here um, with the mutiny on Discovery, saying, "Well, maybe because everybody was crazy." But I guess I get what you're saying. I was just thinking backwards. So just delete that whole line, Ensign. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll keep it. Yeah, we will That's because cool. everybody who listens to me knows that I usually screw up, up, screw something up at some point. But yeah, but but that's the problem. You're always going to have people that look back at past canon and are going to have a problem. With it. I'm fine with it. Who cares? I mean, hey, Discovery didn't even exist, as a matter of fact. But when you really think about it, because of what transpired in season two, so maybe technically all records of anything <laughs> happening were erased. Well, but they weren't because they show up in the 32nd century and Starfleet's able to go back and find them. I'm just trying. So I'm just trying. I know I'm wrong. You're trying my patience (laughs) is what you're doing. But back to Tholian and Webb, yet we digress. Um, So, you know, they make it back or most of them make it back to the Enterprise. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, And and Kirk um, 
has everybody else beam out before him because that's what Kirk does. And he stays behind and ultimately, um, well, it doesn't turn out so well for him. It's gone. The defiant just vanished. Yes. Oh, that's so painful. Vanished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But he he does what a captain does. Got to give him credit. And of course, that's probably why um, captains don't go on away teams by the time we get to TNG. But, but you know, uh, but I'm just, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. I, I like it. I like the drama involved in it. And it really, it really uh, gives for a tense rest of the episode, especially when everybody who sees him, everybody else thinks they're just crazy and, and are, are dealing with the death of the captain in a certain way. Um, when he does show up and float around in different areas and mirrors and, and female uh, crew member you know, private quarters and stuff like that. But you know, that's just, that's just Kirk, right? That's just Kirk. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so in, uh, there's always, there's something here that's always kind of not, you know, d- made sense in my mind. So in act two, Spock says pretty much right up front that this is an area of space that's fractured mm-hmm. and captain Kirk has slipped into another universe. Um, talking about the interface and, and stuff like that. But yet in Act 3, they have a memorial service for him like he's dead. He's just in another universe. That never made sense to me. Okay. I've never really actually thought of that. That's a very good point. Now, maybe he just thought that the ship was an interface and Kirk was lost during transport. I don't don't know. Um, But yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, because he does say at the, is it at the uh, funeral or the or the wake or the the service that he says that Captain Kirk is no longer alive, and then some guy like loses his his mind and starts screaming and yelling. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But I mean, just you know, one commercial break earlier, he says the Enterprise can't expend any energy or the dimensional rift will be damaged and Captain Kirk will be there lost forever. There you go. So, but I mean, at that point, he hasn't been lost. So. That's the one thing I've never been able to reconcile. I feel like there could have been maybe a couple of additional lines of dialogue to kind of tie this together a little bit. But really, that's my only complaint about the entire episode. You know, it's amazing. For as many years as this has been out, as many years as I've watched it, and as many years as I've loved it, I never even put that together that that had happened. And now I hate the episode, and I'm going to watch it again. I I never I never put that together that they that he one earlier he says interface blah 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 and then they're having a funeral and they're going and listening to the tape in his quarters because he's dead right wow or it, I can get that he's never gonna it, potentially he never comes back um, but at that point I mean they don't know if he's dead yeah that's especially when he's all floaty around very, the ship at various points very disappointed now. <laughs> and it's like he's trying to say something he's like trying to yell it he's got his hands cupped up in his mouth he's like check off stand by phasers no. <laughs> belay <Wrong movie>. that <laughs> phaser order um, let's talk about the Tholians for a minute yeah man you want to talk okay let's we'll stipulate for the, the record um, that we know the budget was small mm-hmm. okay but Still, the Tholians look pretty badass. They did. And I use that in the past tense. I loved what they did in TOS. And then when we saw them full broadie in the Enterprise episode, which we'll talk about later, I couldn't stand what they did with them. I thought it looked awful. 
Well, you know, Enterprise has really kind of a, a not so great track record with taking TOS aliens and doing full body versions. Gorn let's what? be honest. Gorn who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, back in back in TOS when we see that guy, you know, they they like live in methane and 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 whatever other gases that are so hot and they're pretty they're pretty creepy and scary looking and very um angular, which is which I thought was very cool. Very insectoid like and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and when you look at them on the view screen, it it really looks kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost makes you wonder, you know, is that a, a, a product of their 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 environment? You know, the, the environment on board their ship yeah. is that how they actually look? Um, but you know, when you're watching it in 1970s on your television, you're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Those red eyes, yeah, yeah, very very cool, and the voice. Very mat- Can you do the voice? I can't, not without hurting myself. So I'm not going to try right now. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll practice it for uh, for our panel in uh, Vegas. Our panel, Stump the Geek Live, uh, Thursday uh, during the 56-year mission. Um, very nice. Where you're going to look like an idiot. Uh, have I really ever done bad on, on Stump the Geek? Well, that's the thing. You never have. Yeah. You always pull it out. Yeah. Um, and the good news is uh, we wind up you know going off into a panel plug that here. That never but, happens. Um, if if you do just as well, I mean, the audience is going to win a whole bunch of fan set spins. If I do just as well as I do just if I do bad, um, either way, okay, people are going to get that's, stuff. Well, that's good. Well, then I just guess I'll have to do good and show everybody. Uh, how about you actually try for once? So anyway, back to Tholian Web. Uh, <laughs> if you don't, people are still getting pins. In fact, they might get more. <laughs> it's okay then. Um, the memorial service itself is a little. It feels super hollow. Um, I feel like this crew has has lost its it, its rudder in a way. Spock is obviously able to command, but he doesn't have the same presence as Captain Kirk. And I, I really feel like you kind of feel that emotion from the crew in this scene. You do from the crew that shows up. Now, the Enterprise right. is a crew of 421 men and women um, and like 12 show up for the memorial service. Really, for the, for your <laughs> captain, you got you got like maybe okay maybe twenty twenty five show up, not just a dozen. That's not a lot, um, and that really is kind of insulting for for Jimmy. I think I don't if, if he ever finds out that, 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 that amount of people showed up for his service, I'd be like, what what the hell, man? I mean, that'd be like only two people showing up for yours. Thank wow. <laughs> Thank God they still have that chapel aboard the Enterprise uh, in the future. You know that created by secular humanist Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. I, it is. It is. In all seriousness, it's it's a good scene. You can you can kind of see that that Spock has some uh, some emotion, but he's also kind of hiding it, and that's I think why he comes up with that line that everyone has to evaluate the loss and the privacy of your own thoughts. He doesn't want to keep it going. He wants to get out of there. I think. Yeah, and I love that line. Yeah, it's a good line. Um, it is, and uh, you know they observe a quick moment of silence. But you're right, Spock is like, "We got to get back to work." Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't say it in his typical Vulcan, you know, um, uh, plain speech. Like, you know, it's logical for us to get back to work so we can get out of here. But I, I think he, I think he approaches it in a very human way, honestly. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things I like the most about that scene. Yes, I, I agree with that. You, you can see that. He's he's emotional, but he's he's holding it in as as we've learned to see with Spock. But then I love that after the crew is dismissed, McCoy is gonna 
is you know, he's not a happy camper. He's not happy with what's going on. He thinks Spock has made bad decisions, and he's going to make sure in his own way that Spock suffers for what's going on by making sure that they go to the captain's quarters to listen to that last message. Spock doesn't want to do it, and he goes, you will honor that order. Blah, 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 blah. He starts you know, getting gruff and all, and all mad at Spock, and I think it's, it's a great... Um, way of showing how these two best friends of Kirk are reacting to what's been going on and his quote-unquote death. You know, McCoy's a bit of a jerk in this episode, let's be honest. <laughs> he is, yeah. yeah. Um, because they don't have to do that now. That's not the most pressing matter ahead of them. What really is most pressing is getting the hell out of there and or rescuing the captain. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is very interesting about him is he's he's... He's meaner to Spock than we are used to seeing him when he's mean to Spock. And I use that kind of in air quotes and kind of not. But at one point, I don't know the exact dialogue, even though I've seen it a thousand times. But at one point, Spock says he had to ascertain that all last choices were made or something like that. And McCoy goes, oh, so you could make sure that he was really dead. And it's like, wow, what a dick. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's just not the right way to say something like that. It, so- it sounds like McCoy thinks that Spock wanted to become captain. I mean, this isn't the mirror universe. <laughs> Little plug for later. Um, but it it really is surprising <laughs> that he says it in the way he says it. It's always something that's bothered me about the, the relationship that these two had, especially when it shows up here. Yeah, I thought it was unnecessarily petty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I mean, some people could say, well, it's the grief talking. Okay, I can buy that to some extent. But it's just, it's more over the top than Bones typically is. And it's really kind of jarring. Yeah. And, and I also find it interesting that the person who gets them both back on the correct path and to not be the way that they are being to each other is the quote unquote dead captain in his recorded message because he knows exactly what each one is going to be doing to the other. And he goes, you need to, Bones, you need to know that he's now in command and his orders need to be followed. And then what does McCoy do? He says he's sorry. What would you have me say, Doctor? Right? One hundred percent. And it's weird that it took a recorded video to tell them that. <laughs> Jesus. Am I wrong? No. I mean, they're both adults. You know. Hello. <laughs> they're both officers in Starfleet. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, obviously, Spock's in command. And he gets to follow orders. But whenever Spock is in command. McCoy becomes unusually combative, yes. almost like he resents the fact that Spock is in command. And that's one of the aspects of that relationship I really don't like. Yeah, it's, it's true. It, it happens just about every time that, that uh, Spock's in the center seat. You're right. So l- let's do a little thought exercise here. Oh, boy. Let's pretend that you're a crewman on board the original Enterprise during this episode. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter what color uniform you're wearing. You were there. You're a member of the crew. You're an officer. Okay. 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 And you're in your quarters, and all of a sudden, you see a floaty image of the captain in your mirror in his EV suit. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I get something to record it so people can so I can prove that it's really there. Take your tricorder out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Evidence, baby. Ev- wow. That, that's actually more logical than I thought you would be. I personally would scream bloody murder. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, he what did the- <laughs> No, more like, what the hell is that? Get out of here. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, you know, I have, I've had, you know, 40 years to think it over. That's probably what I do. But uh, chances are, if it really happened, I'd be like, what? what? Oh, no, I'm out of there. I'd be running down the corridor screaming like, uh, like, uh, like a screamer. 
(laughs) And I can't blame Uhura for having the reaction she has. Mm -hmm. I mean, she she faints. She does. And but I will say that the um, pain that she gets before she sees him is Hmm. really not very um, it's not good acting. She's like, she's like, she's standing and she's like, okay, I got to do this in a second. I got to do this in a second. I got to make that, that look. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just not, it's always been kind of hokey to me. Yeah. I think part of that's probably the direction in the scene. Um, plus, I mean, how do you, you, you feel pain because this interphasic version of Captain Kirk is appearing in your quarters. All right. How do you determine what that feels like? But look at but and and I'm not and I'm only I'm only teasing. I, I love Michelle. I know, I know. But look at how Chekhov's pain is, and then compare it to what a horror's pain is. If you were to put him side by side, Chekhov's is believable. Chekhov's sitting there, and I was like, he's like, Argh! he does that. Argh! So, but then a horror's just like, mm, here it comes, here it comes. <clears throat> <laughs> well, let's be honest. Chekhov goes a little over the top on the pain scale every time he's in pain. I like him. Whether, whether it's the agonizer or this or uh, in TMP when he gets burned by the Vidra probe. You love every minute of it. I, I do. <laughs> we can't torture Chekhov. All right. I love Walter. Yes. I feel like I have to state this every 20 or so episodes. <laughs> I love Walter Koenig. I, I love the fact he's a part of Star Trek. Yes. He's a wonderfully kind man. I just don't like the character of Chekhov. Yes. Yep. That's okay. He does a good job, though. He does. Yes. He does a really great job with what they gave him to do. Right. Um, unfortunately, it, it, it. I wish it were more. Right. Quite honestly, I wish there were more depth to the character. Yeah. But it was the '60s, and you know, Shatner was the leading man, and you know, there was there were the stars, and there were the day players, right. and he was, you know. Yeah. So, what's interesting is after that happens, of course, she goes out and runs, and she, and she's in some cool civilian attire. We don't get to see a horror dressed up like that very often. She's usually in yeah. uniform. So she's running down the hallway and she, as you said, she faints and then she's in sick bay and, and, and Chekhov is in sick bay strapped down and his arms are flailing like a T-Rex at one point. He's like, he's like just going back and forth. And her is just laying there peacefully. I found it interesting when they finally realized that what she was seeing was real and didn't need to be in sick bay anymore. When they, when he comes over and takes off the restraint off of horror, it wasn't even on. It just like kind of flipped it off. It was like, oh wow, yeah. that's really good protecting the crew there, Pally. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's third season budget cuts. <laughs> but Chekhov was all like, and he couldn't move out of his, and he's like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> you look like a T Rex having a seizure yeah, I right now. T Rex a few minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting because for for all of the criticisms I have of McCoy's response to this. He proves once again that that guy can find an antidote for anything. That good old Theragun derivative, right? Yeah. See, you didn't think I'd And know. then a Triox compound. Triox compound, yes. But yes. It was not a neural paralyzer. And it's, I find it interesting that um, the same, uh, this is what science is, and I'm sure this is real in real science, so real sciencey people can tell me, that you've got this one element that in one form it's it's curing of what's going on but in another one it's deadly and you're gonna die if you if you have it whether it's solid or liquid or gas or liquid interesting well look at look at botox which is essentially you know a version of botulism um and people use it to fill in wrinkles Hmm. um it's interesting that they that, that mccoy knows the chemical compound of a klingon nerve gas well he is bones mccoy yes yes and, 
<laughs> and it merely acts as a powerful nerve blocker when dissolved in alcohol, which says so much about the Klingon Empire now, doesn't it? <laughs> That's why they're always drinking blood wine. It's why they're always drinking blood wine. Yep. And then Scotty, of course, being Scotty, just takes the whole bottle. See ya. One of my quarters. <laughs> Be alone. <laughs> He's got, Scotty's going to drink alone. That's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Scotty would rather have it that way with his technical manuals and journals. He's going to mix it with his scotch. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, the, the big A story is getting Captain Kirk back. Mm-hmm. The, I feel like the B story with the Tholian suffers a little bit in the wake of that because it its own on its own, it is an A-level story. It is, and it kind of falls to the wayside. I mean, they're dealing with all the things with getting Kirk back, but at the same time, they're out there building that web. And the web is awesome. It's really cool. And it, like we talked, we teased a little bit earlier about it. You know, there's only two ships, but they're able to get all kinds of strands going, different angles, crossing up and down, diagonally, left and right, straight and back. And it looks pretty ominous. And it's like, what's going to happen when this thing finishes with what then you know their you know their movement into the area caused interface to shift again and then they had to look at that really cool diagram on the monitor to see when the next interface was going to be showing up but they did it they saved him bill and then thank thank the maker and i i always always also wondered why when they get him when they escape they disappear and pop up somewhere else they're like disappear so, so do they enter inner space to get away from the web that's a great question i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know so you know when, when kirk is back and in a uniform and sitting in, in his captain's chair he he tells spock and mccoy that he had a whole universe to himself but he prefers a crowded one instead yes. i can only imagine how unsettling it is to be um, the only person for an indetermined amount of time aboard a ship full of dead people. True. And we, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's going to be a little eerie. I always took that as he was, it was just him. And yeah. there was, there weren't even dead people. It was just, it, it kind of makes me think of Ben Cisco when he was stuck in the visitor in his own little version of subspace. Um, just for a oh, quick second, I'm doing a little quick reading here. And apparently, the Tholians tried to apply a tractor field and the discharge through the ship clear of the web is what I'm seeing on Memory Alpha. I didn't, don't really ever remember seeing that particular special effect in the Tholian web, but we'll go with it because it just disappears and then it's okay. And Kirk was dragged along through the whole thing, so they were able to uh, beam him back to the ship. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Spock and McCoy lie to Kirk yes, they do. openly and say they never watched yep. the tape, taped orders. Never liked that. Um, I never liked that either because, I mean, one, Kirk wanted them to watch it if they thought that he was not coming back. Mm-hmm. And two, they're outwardly lying to their best friend. And their superior officer. And, yeah. um, you know, it's the 23rd century. There's some great technology in Star Trek. You would think that Kirk could just go look at the last played date if he brings up Windows Explorer. Um, that might, that might give something away. Uh, but I always, that was always something that bothered me too. Now I understand they wanted to show that they were able to get things done together, blah, blah, blah. It was not the right thing to do. I've never, that's, if there's one thing that I've always been like, I really think that's a sucky moment of this episode. It really kind of is that. And Kirk's dumbfounded. He's like, uh, the tape that I gave you, which you never listened to type thing. I feel like he doesn't buy it. I don't think he buys it at all. 
But um, I, I feel like the look Shatner gives in that scene is, is probably pretty spot on yeah. because if I were him, I'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's like, wait a minute. No you way. Orders to do this. And you guys don't disobey my orders. So I think you're full of it right now. I think you're full of it. But that's another story <laughs> for another time. So, Dan, go ahead. Speaking of another time. See, I was just going to go oh, there. Good segue. There we go. I'll let you do it then. We get to see the USS Defiant again mm-hmm. 37 years later. Yes. Pretty awesome. In Star Trek Enterprise in uh, what probably one of your favorite two-part episodes of, of Enterprise. It is. In A Mirror Darkly, parts one and two, where you find out that not only is Interface, uh, will a ship disappear from normal space, but it also time travels. Um, and we get to see the Defiant back in the Enterprise timeline in the Mirror Universe. So it's not only goes back in time, it goes in inner space, and it crosses into a different universe. All three things wrapped in one, and we get to see the Defiant um, beautifully redone uh, for that episode, uh, which I think is a, a fantastic um, building block of how the Terran Empire came to be or, or continued to be as ruthless as it was. I, yes. I know you don't love it, but I just love how they're able to throw those aspects of uh, of that TOS episode into the uh, into Enterprise. I I enjoy the fact that it's total and complete fan service. Oh yeah, that in, that those entire episodes are really just because you know what we're on the way out. Let's just do this. Yep. I I don't necessarily like the mental gymnastics to bring the Tholian web into Star Trek Enterprise, or at least the, the Defiant mm-hmm. into Star Trek Enterprise. Um, interfacing space gotcha the time travel i'm not so big on but i don't think it's the worst sin of those episodes mm-hmm. it's it really is a curveball though that i don't think fans even as fan service was not expecting something like this oh my gosh this is the defiant from the tholian web it's gone back in time and it's in the mirror universe which is what helps the empire become more ruthless than it already was so basically the prime directive if doesn't exist in the mirror universe of course but is completely shattered by what happens because without the defiant archer and then sato would never have been able to do the things they do and that's brilliantly um uh continued along in some of the mirror universe stories by david mack yes i agree with that entirely um you had me read those books and they were even better than you said they yeah, were fantastic so, yeah uh, I can't recommend them more highly, yeah. quite honestly. Um, those Mirror Universe, uh, well, I think for me personally, I feel like by the time we got to those episodes, the Mirror Universe had just been done to death. Mm-hmm. I thought the reason why it worked for TOS is because we did it once. Yeah. I thought the first couple of times we did it in Deep Space Nine, it was okay. And then after that, it was like, God, not again. I'm a huge Mirror Universe fan. I always will be. I will never downplay the Mirror Universe. But you are absolutely right. Some of the episodes in DS9 were, were not good and made the Mirror Universe kind of like a laughingstock after, after effect. Um, yeah. I think that they tried to bring it back a little bit with this special two-parter. And I think it was able to stand on its own and kind of redeem the Mirror Universe a little bit. But we've talked about this before. There's only so much you can do with the Mirror Universe. And Andy Robinson even talked about how he hated the Mirror Universe episode he did because yeah. it was so different than what he's used to. And, and he just didn't like the ruthlessness and everything. But then they continued it in Discovery. And, it, and a, right. a huge arc of Discovery, a gigantic arc that continues to this day actually is, is, is part of that. And so 
I like what they did in tying this episode, Tholian Web, with Enterprise and the Mirror Universe together. But if it had ended there, I would I would have been okay with it. And the Tholian in Enterprise. Oh my god, that is just so Oof. ridiculous. It is so the CGI and the cartoon like quality of that special effect. I'm sorry, whoever designed it and did it, uh, I'll give you credit for being part of a great series and a great franchise. But that that Tholian in in uh, in sick bay with Doctor Flox is just really not not believable at all. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's rough. It is rough. I appreciate the homage. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. Um, but I, I feel like they could have done a mirror universe necessarily without re- bringing the defiant into, into enterprise. Wasn't it great though, to see the, the cast of enterprise on the bridge of a constitution class starship that looked really great. And when Archer came out in that green tunic, that was another thing that I thought was just beautiful in those episodes. And then the Gorn, but we're not going to talk about that because we're talking about the web. Yeah, and the the gravity plating that we don't see in any other... (laughs) Ever. Again. Ever. Ever again. Anyway, so (laughs) if this episode is on, I'm watching it. I'm loving it Mm -hmm. because it's it's a great watch. Yes, I mean, there are some things that with a wink and a nod that I accept because, okay, it's Star Trek. This episode's, you know, 50 years old already, uh, 53, whatever. And um, I'm just going to accept that these things are are good because... um, I like the episode. All in all, this is probably one of the better season three outings. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it does a really great job of putting Bones and Spock into a situation that they wouldn't normally be in. I agree. And one of the things we were talking about a little bit, but you just brought that up, so I'm going to bring this up again. One of the quotes that McCoy uses when he's, when he's um, giving Spock a hard time is that right before they listened to the recording, he said he was looking at a book or he was looking at a medal of Kirk's and he said he was a hero in every sense of the word, yet his life was sacrificed for nothing. How can he say that? A, he saved a bunch of other members of his crew by having them beam a uh, beam ahead before him. And B, if you want to go this way, they weren't sure he was dead yet, as you pointed out, which is not going to bother me probably for the rest of my life. So thanks for that. Um, but I, I I don't understand that. Was that just another barb to to just like you know twist another nail into Spock's back about how he felt about what was going on? I never agreed with that comment at all. Well, I think so. I think it, it goes back to the really unnecessary pettiness that McCoy is exhibiting during this time. Um, and, and I get that he's hurting too. I totally understand. But a, a lot of that is just it's it's spiteful, and that's really what. You know, we don't expect from these characters in Star Trek, mm-hmm. even dealing with each other, because it's not like, well, yeah, there's that apology, you know, in, in Kirk's quarters, but it's it's very trite. It's very it's very brief. Um, I, you know, I expect a little more from that. And in fact, in other Star Treks, we get, you know, look, I said this. I shouldn't have said this. I was wrong to say it. Um, I'm really sorry. I hope we can still be friends. Um, I just. I really don't like the the way McCoy is written in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, what the, Starfleet's going to pin a medal on your chest and give you command of the Enterprise, Doctor. I am in command of the Enterprise. That was a great way to get back at McCoy in a Spock way, and then yeah. that the reason I said that is because then that brings up another one of of McCoy's undercuts that I don't like in this episode. I would like to remedy that situation. It's like, yeah, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> 
I mean, I love I love the episode so much, and and you always love the crankiness of McCoy. But this seemed to be over the top in this episode. He was it just his way of dealing with the fact that he thought his friend was dead. I don't I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I really think that it's just. I, I really think it's just a poor treatment of McCoy. Yeah. Um, two interesting facts about the production of this episode. Um, this is the first episode with Al Francis as the director of photography, replacing the storied and legendary Jerry Finnerman. Um, Francis used to work on the series as his camera operator, but he really doesn't lose a step at all, you know, recreating Finnerman's look uh, for shooting the series. You almost wouldn't know somebody different mm-hmm. did it. Yep. And then Judy Burns, the the writer who co-wrote the script with her husband, Chet Richards, uh, actually wrote it to earn money for a study trip to Africa. Interesting. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I think that's actually one of the things that I like about the backstory of this episode is we were talking, we were teasing about Nichelle Nichols and the acting scene when she has her pain. This is actually one of her two favorite episodes of the entire series. This, oh, wow. This and the, uh, and the Trouble with Tribbles. And she says that in this one, we think Kirk's dead and I see him floating through the walls of my quarters. That was fun to do, of course. I enjoyed anything that I was able to get out of uniform. And we were just talking about how she had those civilian clothes and how it's something we don't get to see very much. So that's kind of cool. I thought that was pretty neat that she liked doing this episode as much as she did. Yeah, and I think that the spe- the sixty special effects, I and mean, not the remastered version, which by the way looks gorgeous, fantastic. Yeah, um, I really think that you know of all the third season episodes, I I don't mind the special effects in this one as much. Um, yeah, the Tholian looks pretty badass. The web that they're creating really looks kind of cool and otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't seeing that in other shows on television at the time, and I really think that they kind of took it to a different level with the Tholian web. They did. One of the things that I did have a problem with with the special effects and do to this day ever since I started watching this is the whole idea of the ship dissolving. When you think of the word dissolve, you think of a certain way of how things look for things to just be transparent and to be able to put your hands through them whether it be a man or a table that doesn't seem like dissolving to me i understand that's all they had available back in 68 69 but it's still it's an episode it's a moment of the episode that's kind of funny to me that bones is putting his hands through stuff and he says the ship is dissolving i'd be like uh dude the ship is like disappearing we got to get out of here it's not dissolving wow (laughs) um so you know, we, we talked about the EV suits earlier. Here's my last fun fact mm. for this particular episode. Um, so Dr. McCoy's, you know, EV suit from the Tholian Web was sold at auction in October of 2006. The original auction estimate for the suit was between six to $8,000 U.S. The sale price <laughs> was $120,000 dollars. <laughs> Which, by the time they factored in the premium and everything else, it was a, a total price of $144,000. Wow. For that EV suit. I'd love Can to you have imagine? That. I can't imagine selling, but, uh, having that much money to pay for it, but I'd love to have it. Right? It, I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. It, it is one of the more um, detailed outfits slash uniform slash contraptions that we ever saw in TOS, in my opinion, without, like I said, with all the different angles of stuff and tubes and wires and colors, I've always thought it was one of the coolest things of, of, of that we got to see on the show. And then lastly, this, you know, the enterprise episode, isn't the last time we get a call back to the Tholian web and Star Trek, 
because Ephraim and Dot, the short trek, the animated one, directed by Michael uh, Giacchino, the composer, um, actually has an animated callback to the Tholian web. That's right. I had forgot about that. Very nicely done. Sorry, uh, Giacchino, I think is how yeah, I I've never been his last name. I just call him like. <laughs> yeah, when you guys get together and hang, is that what it is? Pretty much, yeah. Like, dude, play some music for me, Mike. <laughs> you know, because I've been corrected on how to pronounce his name so many times. You, um, and we still. Can't you think I, I? Well, it's uh, he has it on his Twitter profile, um, but what do I know? Right, it's all right. so um, we just know he, he writes damn good music. That's that's the important thing. Sorry, it's Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. Well, I want to get that Didn't I correct. Say that? Uh, I'm just going by what's on his Twitter uh, profile. I really don't listen to what you say. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so, Dan, this one's definitely a see it when we oh, talk about the original series. Absolutely. Um, I love it as the day is long. I could watch it 10 times in a row and still be as happy. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I'm going to go watch it again after this. I think that's a good idea. Maybe I'll watch it tonight after the gym when I'm like, when I'm like suffocating and don't have any air in my lungs like I'm floating in space. and energy. Oh, my God. It's going to feel just like that. <laughs> <laughs> well dan you know what else makes us feel like we're suffocating oh it's when we don't listen to five-year mission good good save good you, save no save i mean this was a this was a pro transition yeah. this was a major market segue okay. shame on you for thinking otherwise yeah, it just didn't sound right but then you then you just as always you just are awesome it's because i'm a professional don't try this at home Ugh. that's why this is the flagship mm, okay yeah. Um, Yet I'm here. We love we love five year. I know. Well, every ship needs somebody to scrub the bathroom. Um, we love five year missions. Speaking of bathroom scrubbing, uh, they are every ounce of music you hear in this episode. Uh, Fark, you know, uh, Fark is amazing. I love Fark, yeah. but I love all the guys: all Mike, great. Chris, Patrick, and Noah. All the all the guys. I, I said Mike. I know. Yeah. I like to say in Rittenhouse. You just shut up. Uh, da- Daddy's working here. <laughs> <laughs> but we want everyone to head on to fiveyearmission.net download or sorry buy all their albums yes. on cd i used to say download for years and then because we love physical media and then go download their podcast five-year mission the podcast available on your favorite podcast app or in the free trek geeks mobile app uh, because you're going to love that show too so fiveyearmission.net Go get all of their stuff. Make it yours. Become a huge fan like Dan is and like I am. They were so good at Mission Chicago Live, weren't they? Uh, there, especially when Tawny Newsom played with up them. There. Oh, my God. I was just thinking about that today and how great it was. They need to get together and make a single. That's all I'm saying. But you know what amazes me, buddy, is even in the future, people can be just so dumb. You know, you would have thought that in 300 years. Kind of like the co-host of the show. Well, exactly. All the stupid that you and I ooze from our very pores every week would have been weeded out after time. Yes, both of us. I'm you saying, and I? You and I. I'm saying that this is my time now, sir. I would be happy if we would be quiet. Um, but in this episode, the Enterprise is taking an ambassador to open diplomatic relations with Aminiar 7. You know where I'm going with this. They don't know much about these people. They're warned to stay away. But the ambassador orders them to proceed anyway. The planet is fighting a neighbor over music rights to a rock band and has been fighting about it for centuries. They fire on the ship, and then the leader, Anon 7 from Aminiar 7, 
don't know what that means. He goes, oh, that was just a malfunction. We're sorry. Come on down. The ambassador says, oh, okay, we'll be right there. And then they're captured and scheduled for disintegration. Um, you know, perhaps a little more caution could have been used after your ship is fired upon, wouldn't you say, uh, Ambassador Robert Farks? That's right, I said it. And I'm saying you should check this one out. It's a taste of Farkmageddon. Can't be missed. Double Farkism for this week because it's awesome. You're awesome. Bill's awesome. Fark's awesome. Farkisms are awesome. That's a lot to digest right there. Um, I have one question. Oh, boy. So are you saying Fark has those ugly bags under his eyes like that dude in the, in the episode who plays Ambassador Farks? What kind of a monster are you? I'm asking the question. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I guess so. Can you believe that dude in that episode when they filmed that was younger than we are now? <laughs> Uh, no, I actually can't believe that. All I know yeah. is that that outfit that he's got on the, with that giant neck collar thing yeah. is just really heinous. <laughs> it looks like the fish people in Next Gen. <laughs> he didn't even have any makeup on. Uh, oh. <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> but uh, a taste of Farksmageddon. Farkmageddon. It's, Far- sorry, it's Farkmageddon. It's Ambassador Farks from A Taste of sorry. Farkmageddon. That's why sorry, I my- do these, Bill. I think we know why you do these. <laughs> fiveyearmission.net. Um, please don't drive into a bridge abutment. Go to fiveyearmission.net and buy all their CDs. Uh, Dan, don't forget that you and everyone else can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon. We got all kinds of perks. Our year, well, last year's yes. Patreon pin just came in from fansets. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're getting ready to send those out very soon, the 2020 ones. When the 2021 pins, no, sorry, 20, 21, 22, yep. yep. The 21 yep. pin just came in. Yep. The 22 pin is in design. Yep. And uh, it's it, this is some beautiful stuff. It's beautiful. And I'll tell you what, if you're a member of our Patreon, you could go see it right now because we actually posted a picture of it. Uh, and it's right there. It's beautiful. We got that. We got other perks on the way. We're gonna, we've are gonna. we been talking about it for a while, but we are going to be redesigning our tier levels. And it's going to be to benefit all of our wonderful patrons. So thank you for that. We want to take a moment right now to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. As always, we just cannot thank them enough for their support. And they are Vikram Bhatt, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, <laughs> Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. Oh, you almost sounded German there. Did that I? was huh? that was yeah, huh. wonderful. Um, we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support: Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchon, Matt McGonagall. Oh. And, and Dan, just for the record, when I'm working on one laptop screen, I can't even see you because I have to read this list. So I know you're doing something stupid because I can hear you breathing. Um, stop breathing. Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Major Self, Casey Shasky, Terry Shull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented 
Jess Vashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the non-interfacing June Tatman. If he interfaced, he'd be awesome in the other space as well. So it really would be awesome in all, all universes. All the dimensions, all the multiverses, all the multiplexes, all the mirror universes. That's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Anyway, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, because we're back to weekly, baby, we're going to take a page out of our friend Jim Morehouse's book with a list of some kind. Absolutely. uh, We absolutely are. We always have loved being guests over on Trek Ranks. And next week, we're going to do exactly that. With over 800 episodes to choose from, Bill and I are going to give our all-time top five Star Trek episodes. And it all happens here next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Just to clarify, we're Jim. Jim isn't coming on the show, no. and we're not doing an episode of Truck Ranks. No. God no. Okay, because I got a little confused. I'm not that bright. We're just. We're just. You know what? Imitation is the best form of flattery. So there you go, Jim. We're gonna do kind of a top <laughs> something or other or something something. Yeah. No. Uh, so. <laughs> Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, we got a lot of shows, Dan. Mm. A lot of shows. Thank you. All of them run by passionate fans who just want to celebrate Star Trek and the vision of Gene Roddenberry. You can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app or fed a link to your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. Yes, I said fet because it was in the copy. I don't know why that was there. Uh, the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek. Like we do. No one at a course for all the news on all the Star Trek's, yo. Please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 285 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We'll see you next week. Live long and prosper. A renowned Tholian coconut. Oh, wait. Wait. What's a Tholian coconut look like? Face. Okay. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong there, buddy. Whew. Bing bong. Bing bong. Sweaty bing bong. Well, you probably hear the hum of my <laughs> air conditioner in the background. Um, uh, that's because uh, I don't want to be sitting here in 95 degree weather. That's all right. It's sweaty. But this is a sound of your air conditioner. Ready? Hmm. Do you want me to just do that for the next seven minutes for the outtake? Uh, that's what your voice normally sounds like. Oh, I thought it was so. like cat scratch. Fever. Uh, Are you, though? Are you sorry? I'm not. I have to, I have to get out of my system at some point, you know? So, anyway. When does that start, actually? Uh, it'll start right now. Hmm. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Oh, God. <laughs> I like his shirt, even though the listeners can't see it. Yeah, that's that's brilliant, buddy. Let me give yeah. you a description, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It is a black T-shirt. It looks very svelte on Mr. William Smith. It is the Enterprise and says, go bold or go home. <laughs> Bye. I, I am at home. Well, there you go. See? So it's a win-win for you. So I'm not going boldly. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You can see which side of that equation I chose. I'm at home. I like math. It's a good equation. So we we walked outside to to take Isabella out for a a quick potty break before we recorded today. And you open the door and you just get smacked in the face with that oppressive, humid heat. Oh, my God. Yes, you do. I, I, I... I feel like every year I forget how much I hate July in New England. <laughs> and there's no there's no reprieve. No. For, for at least, uh, well, for the next seven days, it's going to be like this uh, continually. And I who knows when it's going to change. Yeah, it's uh, they got uh, heat indexes and heat waves and alerts and special, you know, heat emergencies in Boston. Um, and it's, it's pretty much everywhere. I heard a report that said this morning that 80% of the continental United States is facing 90 degrees plus over the next few days. 80%. Yeah. That's a lot. And, of course, what's going on in Europe right now is crazy, too. But there's no climate change. None. No. Come on. Stop talking no. like that. Crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I believe my wife used the phrase, and I used this on Twitter not too long ago today. As we record this, um, that it's it's as hot as Satan's butt crack outside. It's pretty hot. Oppressive too, right? Oof, she's moist. I I can't think of anything else more oppressive other than your face. Oh my god, you walked right into it. I didn't it. really say anything. You did it. You on did your own. for once. You didn't have to. I know, and and I still get screwed. So thank you. I I just know where I stand here uh, on the podcast network, and I'm happy to be part of it, sir. Are you? No. Are you? Are you part of it? <laughs> I no. I guess not anymore. <laughs> Come on, you wouldn't be able to do anything without me. You'd miss me too much. I, I think my workload would be the same. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you give it to yourself, so you know you haven't. You know, I don't dispute that, yeah, Mister. I iron my underwear. <laughs> I, I, this is I the do. second time we've recorded in a row, and yeah. your ironing board has been in the ready position behind you. That is pretty much where it is now. At all. Well, I shouldn't say at all times, but I brought it up here because I'm up here most of the time. So if I need to do a couple of things, if I got if I got a script running or I'm doing something that's going to take a while to finish, I'll go do a couple shirts or something like that. So it keeps uh, keeps me busy, and so I just figured I'd keep it up here. So it's been up here. Do you iron your jeans? No, I do not. I was just curious. I, well, let me, I take that back. If they've been like in the dryer for a long time and I take them out and they're just awful, I will run them quickly, but I don't do like creases and stuff like that. I just. Oh, thank God. Yeah. No, don't do that. No, 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 no. You do what? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I do t-shirts. I do shorts. I do dress pants. And underwear. And I do yeah. not do underwear. Until you show proof that it has happened, it's, it's not debatable because it's not true. I- I don't need to show proof. I, you need to prove that you don't. How do I do that? You have to have you have to have physical evidence to show that you don't. And if you don't do something, you don't have the evidence. But if I did do something, you would have the evidence, and you don't have the evidence. This is not a court of law. I'm You're not, not innocent until proven guilty. With your rules, sir. <laughs> you are guilty until proven innocent. Oh, wow! Wow, that's great, oh, America. This is like Cardassian society, okay? <laughs> I can't wait to yank out one of your molars. Oh, yes. Oh, that'll be awesome. 
with a pair. You thought O'Brien was was suffering. Just wait. Cardassian pliers. They probably have like ridges and scales on them. Those things are gnarly. Very. Like what? That was me with my. <laughs> you look like you just got caught by a fish hook. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, my tooth just hurts. Pine cones. <laughs> little reference there. Well, I say it's reference. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, I uh, that's been a while since I've heard that. Good, my God. Good movie. Good movie. Uh, so, buddy, oh. here we are. Less than five weeks I to know. Vegas. That is pretty incredible. Um, I I don't know what to do. I, I I don't know what to do with myself. I we haven't been in three years. You know what kind of stinks though. If it was the regular schedule, it would be two weeks, <laughs> and then it would be awesome. Now it's still five. Weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I know. This being the last weekend, or the weekend before Labor Day, mm-hmm. let's be honest, uh, is it's tough. I mean, there's so much that we might normally have tried to do yeah. after that we just can't do. Nope. Like, I would have loved to have gone to Trek on Daroga this year. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but it's just we can't. I don't. I don't. Not if I want to stay married. <laughs> or a lot. Well, there's that. Alive. <laughs> One of those is preferable. Right. I'd rather you stay married. I, yes, I would rather stay married as well. Yep. So your wife gets a big fat life insurance check. Um, <laughs> did I say that a lot? It's okay. Everybody knows it. Everybody thinks it. You're just the only one who'll say it. So can you imagine what it's going to be like at the gym later today? Oh, my God. Why did you have to say that? I hope they have the doors closed and the AC on. Dude, even with the AC on, it's but still 85. how much extra calories you're going to burn because you're going to be sweating so much. Um. <laughs> Maybe they'll play the oldies. Today. Do you think do you think heat stroke um, burns more calories? <laughs> heat stroke me, heat stroke me. <laughs> heat stroke. Heat stroke. You know, they played that song uh, that song was actually on the uh, the music at the gym on Monday. Yes, it was. I, that's right, I forgot about it. Yep. The Stroke by Billy Squire. Yep, it was. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a sweat fest, but I'm okay with it. It's good. It's all good. We left Monday and of course it was hot. Mhm. And I got home and I still felt like I was dying. <laughs> and then I went to bed and I was still like warm. Yeah, it's, it was it was toasty. Yeah, today's going to be brutal. And I forget what the what the exercises are today. I don't have my phone with me, so I can't check. Oh yeah, I do. I don't think anybody cares, but they have some good stuff at the gym. I love this gym. It's great. It's been the uh, number one voted gym in New Hampshire for like five years in a row. So that's always cool. But it'll be fun. We'll have a good time. Yeah. You know what is is uh, is the wife going today? She is excellent, excellent. She went last Monday. She just went at Earlier. at noon um, because of the th- we found out that Isabella de- really doesn't like thunderstorms. Yeah. So like there were two times last week where after a thunderstorm she actually threw up in the middle of the night. Oh boy! Um, like hours after the thunderstorm because we think that she had her body had finally just unclenched mm-hmm. to the point where she just spilled everything out, yeah. no. and it was brutal. The poor kid, poor, poor old girl. So. We weren't sure if she was going to do the same thing with the thunderstorms that came through on Monday, so we decided to divide and conquer so that she wouldn't have to be crated. Oh, there you go. That's good. That way one of us could stay home with her, put on the thunder shirt, and, and hold her close and, and be sure that she was she knew she was okay. Did she do so. the, the burpees and the jumping jacks when you put on the thunder shirt? No. I said thunderstorm, <laughs> not thunderstruck. I know, but whenever I hear the word thunder, that's automatically in my head, and I start... Doing it. Well, you better drop right now and give me a burpee, jerk. Ugh. No, no, no. I mean the real thing. I can't have do my it. headset on. It's wired to the computer. It's going to... You can take it off. No, I don't want to do I'll, it. No. I'll lie. 
So at our gym, we do this thing called the Thunderstruck Challenge, where uh, yeah. you have to do jumping jacks through the ACDC song Thunderstruck Ooh. until you hear the word thunder or thunderstruck, and then you have to do a burpee. Yes. But you keep doing jumping jacks the entire time. I love that. Dan, Dan, thank you for doing the burpee. I, I really I, appreciate it. Hey, that. you know what? I'm here to help. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I love it. I hate Thunderstruck as much as I hate you. I love it. I love it. And one of these days, I'm going to show up. I'm going to find out if there's going to be Thunderstruck ahead of time. And I'm going to bring in my old guitar hero guitar. And during the guitar solo, I'm going to do uh, Angus's uh, little like jaunt down the stage playing the guitar during the solo. It's going to be fun. The hell you are. You're going to do jumping jacks. <laughs> well, it's still exercise. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It is not. Oh, that is an exercise. Believe me. An it's ex- not. It's an exercise in balance and um, coordination, of which I have neither. So it'll be hard. <laughs> I think half the gym is going to beat you over the head with that Guitar Hero guitar. <laughs> They'll all be cheering. Quite frankly, <laughs> yeah, cheering as you get beaten. You know, sm- beaten about the head and shoulders. Oh, my God, so what's violence today? I'm just being honest. <laughs> You want violence? I have to share a hotel room with you in five weeks. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that's that's not violence. That's more like torture. <laughs> no, it's going to li- bring me to violence. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, I see. I see. Excellent. Well, okay then. That or it's going to bring my liver to a place that I'm not sure I'm, I'm willing to go. That's not going to be because of me, though. No, it will. <laughs> they will. <laughs> okay then. Anyway, had a good time in Bar Harbor. Right, you got to see Ron Roll. Yes, surprised the hell out of him. It was awesome. I like walk in and his he was like, ha. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> good to see him. Ron, who is the host of ConPod here yeah. on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, it's only recently that I've learned his name is Robel and not Robel. Oh, I've always thought it was Robel as well. Uh, no, was, if you've ever heard him say his own name, as I have. I, I probably haven't, just haven't even it hasn't even processed. How long did it take us and to w- get Lionel right? Who? Lionel? Lionel? <laughs> Lionel? Lionel Marchand? Marchand? Mar- Mar- Marchand Band? What? I don't know. That's oh, your my part God. Of, that's you're... your part of the reading. I don't worry about it. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> but it was great to see him. He has a great little store, uh, little uh, coffee shop right at Bar Harbor. It's in a great location. The stuff he makes is awesome. And it was really great to see him and spend a little bit of time with him. Well, it's good. Yeah. It's a time I didn't have to spend with you, so that's, uh, that's even better. You ready to do this there, jerk? Yeah, like right now, please. Oh, let me get on that, Mr. Executive Producer. (laughs) That's back. Shut up and mute out already.